we've got to give people the space to make mistakes or they're going to make mistakes and you're not going to know about them. And that's way worse. But I think a lot of leaders, they miss that part. We say a lot, slow down to speed up. So you almost have to, you know, tweak those dials a little bit in order to lead everybody in the best way that they need to be led. Like, how can you possibly coach me and lead me if you don't even know what I'm about? Who says tech can't be human? What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. We are here with someone very, very special. Marty Overman, she's the senior VP at Imperva for North America sales. But more than that, she is highly experienced in building culture, building people, and building an environment where people stay safe. But before we get to all of that great, great information, I just want to say, Marty, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm happy to be here. Glad we were able to work it out. For sure. I mean, you have extensive experience in the sales industry, especially in cybersecurity and technology, and you've been at some really, really great places. What do you think it is about your personality? What do you think it is about the way you operate that makes you a great sales leader for one, but then also a great leader of culture? Um, gosh, there's so much within that question. <laughs> um, I um, see sales leaders all the time who were really, really, really great sales reps. And I actually would never pretend or be disillusioned and say that I was the best account executive ever because um, I wasn't. There are people who are, you know, a hundred times better at it than I am. Getting into like what makes a sales leader, it's not just being really great at sales. Um, I do think I'm pretty good at it. My dad has been in sales for his entire career and he, I learned from the best. When you get into sales leadership, it's so much about really understanding people and their motivations and their goals. It's actually not really that different than selling because when we're talking to our customers, we're trying to understand like, what's your problem? What are you trying to solve? Like, how do we, you know, how do we help you? And I look at it the same way with, with people, with the people who work mm -hmm. with me and for me. And it's all about like, what's your kind of core motivation? What's your key goal? I frequently joke that I'm a well-compensated therapist because uh, <laughs> on any given day, it's, you know, you're, it's almost like sports psychology. Like you're in a weird spot right now. Like, how do we get you through that? I think they call it the yips in gymnastics. That's what Simone Biles called mm -hmm. it. And it's like, yeah, the spin. Yeah, the spin. yeah, exactly. So, so much of this is in your head. How do we get you, you know, back, back performing? And it rarely has anything to do with work related things. It's, it's, it's ultimately about performance and coaching and taking that time to understand what every person's need is and again that core goal that core desire that goal um and guiding them that direction and i think there are people who just don't do that as intuitively or as naturally um or they think mm -hmm. it's just focused on the sales and the sales performance without considering all the other stuff that goes on under it and maybe it's because i spend a lot of time in my own head and <laughs> i know like hey this is what's going on so it makes me you know i'm a bit more empathetic in that, you know, I'll take the time to understand where someone is and, and help get them there. And ultimately, I just want to see people be successful and have fun. And, you know, right. when you're having fun at work, I tell my, my, my team all the time, 
if you're not having fun, please come have a conversation with me because we spend too much time at work and too much time together to not enjoy who we're with and what we're doing. And if you're not having fun, we need to have a serious talk about that and figure out how to get you back to the space where you can have fun. And for me as a sales leader, um, I think one of the things that makes me great at it, and you know, it's probably really uncomfortable for me to talk about things I'm great at. Um, a lot of people probably struggle with that. Uh, it's mm-hmm. that taking the time to really understand the human, the human element and, uh, and, yeah. and what's really going on there and the individual behind it. And you can't treat everybody the same way because everybody's super different. <laughs> yeah. Which is what makes us great. Right. Absolutely. I, I think you're, you're nailing on the head because what do you, whether you think about sales, think about building relationships, which is basically sales. Uh, I think a lot of that boils down to asking questions. And I don't think leaders nor salespeople ask enough questions. Whenever I get on a sales call and I'm speaking to a a prospect, the first thing I do is I ask a bunch of questions. Like I really want to understand them. I want to understand what their challenges are. I want to understand where they're headed, where their vision is. Because if I just hop on and I'm just saying, hey, this is what we do. You know, we'd love to work with you. I mean, you didn't ask me a single question to get to know me whatsoever. And so the same thing from a leadership perspective, like ask them questions. I don't think enough leaders ask questions to, number one, get to know the people that they're leading, but then also get to know, like, how do you best show up for them as a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone isn't the same. I used to kind of think, oh, I've got this leadership thing nailed down packed, so I'm going to lead everyone how I want to be led. But that's not going to be useful for everyone. It might be Mm -hmm. useful for some, but it's not useful for everybody. So you almost have to you know, tweak those dials a little bit in order to lead everybody in the best way that they need to be led. <laughs> Literally, I'm doing account review. I'm doing territory reviews with all of my sellers right now. And the one I did before I, I came to join you today, I said almost as exact same words to her. I told her about one of the best meetings I ever sat in in my life that the, the account executive pretty much for 90 minutes sat there and asked the customer why. There's different versions mm-hmm. of, of the same word, but it was, why are you doing that? Help me understand right. that mm-hmm. 90 minutes. She didn't talk about products. She didn't talk about what we do. She didn't, she didn't talk about herself. 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. She sought to understand and uh, ended right. up turning it into a massive, like 10 figure deal. It was incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, it's a good example, a great example of taking the time to, uh, we say a lot, slow down to speed up. You got to take the time to ask the questions and really understand. And yeah, for people, you nailed it. It's the same thing. Like, how can you possibly coach me and lead me if you don't even know what I'm about and what motivates me? Yeah, 100%. And would would you say that that understanding of people, the human condition, is what enables you to kind of help create culture and the organizations that you're in? Is that something that you have to volunteer for? Is that something that you just do intuitively when it comes to building culture, when it comes to being diverse and being inclusive? Is that something that you've just always done naturally or was there a, a specific moment that kind of pushed you into that direction? Um, I do think I tend to do it naturally because I just I like bringing I was a bartender in college and a great what, what a great bartenders do. They get everybody at the bar talking. Like they find a common thread with these people and introduce them and get them talking. Next thing you know, you're having a ball. You were having dinner by yourself, but now you're having fun and you sit there and you spend more money and you tip and you give a big tip to the bartender. So I think naturally 
I've just always done that. I, I think people are interesting. Um, actually, I think people are fascinating. And almost everyone's got this really interesting background um, or is up to something that's cool and you can learn from. And so connecting people has just always been something I do. And I think that contributes to these really strong cultures. When you feel connected to the people you're, you're with and everybody's got something they can teach someone else. And if you're open to it, you mm -hmm. can learn something from, from all these other people. And so when I'm thinking about building culture, I am intentional about it, but it comes naturally to me, if that makes sense. And the intent is yeah. how to bring these teams together. And the first kind of moment I realized that it was important and, you know, um, something that you had to do intentionally and that was, that would really help build a high performing team. Um, when I was at Cisco, I was, uh, I started out as an associate sales representative and kind of worked my way up. The next thing I knew, I was uh, the the leader of the Global Enterprise Theater security sales team. And so I had these guys, um, first off, I was 32 years old. And most of these people had been doing this for 20 years longer than I had. So I was like, what's my value add? They know all of this stuff better than I do. And I thought, all right, I'm going to tap into my strength. And that's how I bring people together and how I build these teams and how I get them sharing ideas and best practices. And mind you, uh, four of the guys were in the US, two were in the UK, mm -hmm. and then one was in Hong Kong. So how do you pull this global team together? And so I really focused on it, that, that connective tissue of them getting to know each other and then them sharing their best practices. And um, people love to talk about themselves. So I got them first yeah. talking about themselves, then they actually cared about each other and then got them sharing the best practices. And yeah, you've got to get them together in person, which can be a little bit more challenging in, in our day and age. But I knew right then, I'm like, if I can get these guys talking and sharing, they'll be a team. And they're all doing such great things. And by the way, they spend time in each other's theaters because if you're in, if you're calling on GE, you've got to go to, to, um, to Singapore to, to have meetings with them. So go see right. the guy in Hong Kong. Like it's actually not as close as it sounds, yeah. but um, you know, make the effort. <laughs> um, yeah. And similarly, if you have Shell, you're going to end up in Houston. So go see our guy who's in Houston, um, which is also can feel like flying from Singapore to Tokyo. But anyway, so that was my moment of, okay, this is important. You've got to do this everywhere, whether it's a team of seven, a team of 70 or a team of 700, find the ways to do that. Mm -hmm. So even now at Imperva, so funny, as much effort as I put into this, like we can still always do more. Um, we've got, uh, we, we do um, a SALT survey. So it's our employee, kind of like our NPS score for employees. Um, we do it quarterly and always review the feedback. And I'm in there commenting and helping, asking questions. Help me understand. What do you mean by this? What's that going to do for you? Why is it important? Um, and I love that my SALT surveys have now really started focusing on I want to spend more time with my peers. I want to do more deal reviews, mm. not with my manager. I want to mm. do deal reviews with my peers. I want them to, to right. help me make this deal better. And, you know, sharing best practices. And so, you know, we just, um, I just kicked off a thing where they do round robin uh, deal review times. So like my team for the Northeast, will get on a call with the team from the West and each team brings a deal mm -hmm. and they'll talk through it and they hear what's so different in the West or what's working or what's working in the Northeast that the West could benefit from. So there are always these opportunities to, to pull them together more, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, I think it comes naturally to a lot of people. I think you've also got to be really intentional about how you do it and how you pull them together. Cause it won't happen on its own. Uh, you've got to you know create that environment for 
for them to do it. And, and you don't have to have a global team to realize that you need to do it. It's important no matter where they are or how distributed your team is. Um, creating those opportunities right. is key. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Have you, you, I'm sure you've seen, uh, remember the Titans. I movie. am really embarrassed to say I've never seen it. You, I think you'd get a kick out of it okay. because it, it really covers a lot of what you're talking about right now. It's uh, about a high school team. Uh, they're still dealing with segregation at this time. And mm -hmm. so they're trying to bring the white and the black players together. And there's just all this tension in the very beginning. But, you know, I don't want to spoil it. I'm sure you can I guess what happens in the end. Yeah, you have to watch it. But it's all about getting these folks together to work together as a team, to see each other as teammates and not just their differences. Because when you look at people, I mean, there are differences at the personality level, right? Some people are extroverted, some people are introverted, but then even culture, right? You have a diverse team that's from all over the world. How do you provide an environment to bring everyone together? Like, what are some of the, the tips and tricks that you've, you've used to bring folks together uh, from all over the place? <laughs> so it's so funny, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my, my family. <laughs> Um, mm. I'm in the process of blending a family and, um, it's, it, you know, my soon to be husband's two daughters and my son, um, who yeah. also, interestingly, um, my son is, is not Caucasian. He's African-American. He's adopted. And so we've got the, the whole race blending too. Um, you yeah. know, blending a, a transracial families and, you know, a whole other thing. And, um, we threw them together. And I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. We were, we, we moved in together, we threw them together, and we thought, well, they know what's going on. Like, they're 11, 12, and 13. Like, they know what's happening. Um, we didn't talk to them about it. And, and you know, and, and they ended up, I, I won't tell the whole story because it was kind of gnarly, but they ended up, they had a big blowout. Um, one of the girls mm -hmm. actually hit my son. <laughs> he deserved it. Oof. And he didn't react. He was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And he took himself to his room and we dealt with it and, you know, we, we talked through it, but what occurred to me was we never talked to them about what it means to be a family. And we didn't mm. set a mission statement. We didn't set goals. Right. We didn't set expectations. And some of my friends laughed at me. They're like, so you're going to run your family like a business. I was like, well, yeah, duh. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I miss that. Like I would have never mm -hmm. done that with a team I was bringing together. So I thought, okay, so when I bring a team together, what do I do? Well, I don't tell them what our goals are. Set the mission. We talk about it. Um, beginning of January, right. I got all my team together. January 3rd, I said, we're wasting no days. This is our year. We're going to crush it this year. What's that look like? You tell me what's important. You tell me who we are. I think getting everybody mm -hmm. to establish who you are. Like, what's the who, who do we want to be? How do we want the world to see us? How do we want our board to see us? And you agree on that on that brand. And then you go, okay, mm -hmm. all right, so what's our mission? Ultimately, at the end of this, what's our goal? And then you got to dig into the, okay, what's that look like? How are we going to meet that goal? And then now, like, how are we going to hold each other accountable to it? And you talk about, again, mm -hmm. I, could, I could lay all this out for everybody based on what's important to me, but they're not going to buy in. Right. And so you get them talking about what's important to us. <laughs> Way back to the earlier question of, like, you've got to understand where people are and where they're trying to get. And so you get everyone to contribute to this and now they're bought in and then I can look at them and go, all right, so this is what we're going to do. You said this is important. So when I tell you that we're, you know, if, if somebody in here calls us out and says we're veering off this, 
and you told me this is important and how to hold you accountable to it, you, you gotta, you gotta get back on board. And, you know, that's what we need to do. And I just think it does so much to get that buy-in and to give you the framework to, to deliver on the result, to work toward the goal and to hold people accountable, to holding up their end of it. And, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing we did with our kids. I'm like, we are going to be respectful to each other. We are going to speak with kindness, but Hey, if you're mad that somebody leaves the light on all the time and you never tell us like, Hey, he leaves the light on all the time. I can't do anything right. about it. Like <laughs> and we can't hold him accountable to it. So you have to speak up about what, what's important to you and what your needs are. And if your needs not being met, we need to you know talk about that too. And Everything you're saying resonates with me because I do something very similar. Every team that I've either built or inherited, I take them through this like super powered purpose sort of thing that I've kind of cobbled together. It's a little bit of a start with why it's a little bit of like purpose finding. It's a little bit of all these things put together. And the first thing we do is we talk about, Hey, what resonates with you? Like when you show up to work, like what are some of those moments that just stand out in your mind? Like, wow, I did that. And I'm really, really proud of it. And we go around and we talk about all these things and we, we cobble some things together. So what are the values that we have? Mm -hmm. And then we figure out our values and then we start, all right, so then what is important to us from both a value standpoint and then also like the mission that we have. So we figure out what our mission is, we figure out what our vision is, and ultimately we figure out what our team identity is. Because if you say, hey, this is our team identity, this is what we do, this is our mission, this is what we're gonna do, these are our goals, march forward, they're not gonna have ownership Mm -hmm. of that team identity. They're gonna be like, hey, this is what the boss said, so I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna clock in, I'm gonna do my thing, I'm gonna go home. But whenever you start to create that team identity together, you then have ownership. You have own, like, hey, I'm a part of this team because I help figure out what we do. Yeah. And that's what, then people start to work a little harder, right? Because, hey, I'm going to show up for my team because, hey, I'm, I'm going to show up because I said this is what we're going to do, so I'm going to help us do that. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of leaders, they miss that part. They they don't bring people into that. They, they almost, I think maybe it's intentional or unintentional that they feel like, hey, this is my vision, this is my team, so I'm going to come up with all the ideas and everyone else is going to execute. But when you start to bring people in, you give them a little bit of that equity, I think that's when you start to really pull those teams together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that ownership piece. Um, You nailed it, Chris. Like, they've got to, they've got to feel like they've got some skin. Otherwise, you're just a dictator. And we know how that usually goes. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but um, really, really fine. And and you know, you said something that's interesting. I I wonder if it gets skipped over because, you know, especially if you're working at um, a company of any size that's been around longer than you have, they have their values. The CEO has said, this is our mission. This is our strategy. And you skip over the part where, no, but we need to have that for our team. Like our CEO, and, and that should always be our true north. You know, really our customers should always be our true north. And everybody has customers. But um, I, so I think it's easy to skip because you establish your values. Every company has their values on their website. You go, okay, that we're just right. going to do that. Like, no, you actually mm-hmm. need to do it, um, especially if you're building a team, which most of the time, most of us are on a mm-hmm. pretty consistent and constant basis. Yeah. We have some news to share with you, a member of the Hacker Valley Media family. As of 2023, we became a full-time independent cybersecurity media company, and we're committed to bringing you the most powerful, 
thought-provoking stories in the field of cybersecurity. And we learn we can't do it alone. We'd love to invite you to our exclusive Patreon community where we host a monthly mastermind where you can meet like-minded individuals in the field of cybersecurity that are trying to be more creative and be the best version of themselves that they can be. We would love if you took a second and visited patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio and we'll see you in the mastermind. One of the things I was having a conversation, so I, I teach a uh, cybersecurity leadership course. It's really focused on the soft skills side of the house uh, because a lot of folks, they're, they're great engineers, they're great analysts. And what do you do with a great analyst? You promote them to leadership, but then you don't give them the the tools or the skills in order to do that. And uh, one of the, I was talking about this situation. I was talking about this, this uh, framework that I created and I, uh, and Andy, he loved it. He's a great. He actually wrote the book One uh, Percent Leadership. Uh, so he's, he's an outstanding leader, outstanding educator. But he said uh, to me, he was like, "Hey, I love everything that you're doing, but you don't necessarily set the mission for your team because that mission might be passed down from leadership." And I said, "I mean, good point. But the one thing I will say is that even if the the meaning is the same, if you allow your team to to pick the words." in which that mission is, that still gives them that opportunity to have that ownership, to have that team identity. Even if, like, sure, yep, this is exactly what we're doing. We're a, a threat ops team. This is what we do. We're focused on finding these specific threats. But if you allow people to at least form the identity of who they are and pick the words that is the mission, even if it's the same mission that leadership passes down, I still think that that provides that, that ownership that we're looking for. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and that, that the purpose and, um, you know, really, really understanding like what of this is, is important to me. It's so easy to skip over, but yeah, slow down to speed up, taking the time to yeah. establish that. And I love that. Yeah. The mission can be the same. Let's just, you know, pick the words and apply it to us. And other, uh, clearly somebody gets this. Cause again, back to the solve surveys, every employee survey I've ever taken had some iteration of the question of, does senior leadership effectively communicate? Mm -hmm. Does your direct leader effectively communicate the company's goals? And that and there's a reason that's two different questions. Because one, you know, the the CEO and you know, CRO, CMO, whichever organization you're in, could say all day what's important and what the mission is. But then your direct leader needs to take that and translate that to what does that mean to us? And what's our what's our how do we participate in that? How do we contribute to that? I love that there's a class on this. Uh, I might yeah. like more information on that. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, one, one thing that I think about, you know, we were having a conversation before, uh, a, a little while ago about all of this stuff. And we were talking about diversity. We were talking about equity. We were talking about inclusion. Um, and one of the, the best definitions on the equity side of the house uh, I got from uh, somebody who was a guest uh, on, on, uh, on the show and she said that equity was giving the support to the people that need it because everybody's coming from different mm -hmm. backgrounds. Everyone's coming from different starting lines, right? When they get into the organization. And so how do you find the people that need additional support, people that need to be led differently in your organization? Like what are some of the things that you do to, to find that out? Obviously we talked about the questions, but is there anything more tactical that you do in order to figure out who needs additional help even if they might not be saying it on the outset. So first off, I should probably do more of this. 
because it is mm. the stuff that really matters and makes a difference in developing a high performing team. Um, it's, it, it's time consuming, but gotta have skip levels and one-on-ones and, you know, mm. do these, um, I'm, I'm currently doing territory reviews with every single and account reviews with every single one of my sellers. And, you know, it's the midpoint of the year. So I'm like, Hey guys, it's the midpoint. Um, I see what you did the first half. Some of, you know, either you crushed it or now you're behind. And I want to spend some time understanding where are you, how are you working this and where do you need help? And it's funny because some of them don't really know where they need help. And those mm-hmm. are the ones I know, okay, if you don't even know where you need help, I need to really lean in here and, you know, really help you kind of pick apart your territory and look at, you know, what's going on here, what's going on there. And, you know, I was talking to one young woman today who has a, well, first off yesterday, her plan is amazing. And I gave her an idea and she literally looked at me and she goes, that's great. I'll do that next quarter. This quarter is to do this, 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 and that. And at the end, I congratulated Awesome. Good on you. You have a plan and you are working it. Go. And you are not going to let me pull you off. That's amazing. And do that more often. Like, do your thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, but then you get some people who are, they don't even have a plan. And I was, you know, I was talking to one young woman today and I just spent most of the time trying to hype her up. Like, girl, get some swagger. Like, you know what you're doing, you know what you're talking about. And so it's so different. But if I had never spent the time with them, I wouldn't know that. Um, you know, this woman needs to be like really congratulated and commended and, you know, told to go do more of that. Don't let anyone pull you off because you're not. And then she doesn't need me in her way. She's good. Like I can just check mm-hmm. back in with her in a couple of weeks. This other one, um, she needs a hype squad. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go be her hype squad. But I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't spent the time with her again. Her plan was good. But even the way she presented it was like, I'm like, you need some confidence. Let's pump you up a little bit. And so you just got to spend the time and I could ask their leaders, but they're going to have different views and see it differently than, than, than I would if I, if I did just sit down and spend the time with them. And it can be hard if you've got a large organization, let's say you have hundreds of people, it, it'd take you all year to work your way through it. Um, but I think you can do it in smaller settings too, where, you know, mm-hmm. you just spend the time and maybe it's a town hall, you know, or town hall is actually even too big, but You've got to take right. that time to in, invest in the in the in the smaller settings, so you can really understand where they are and who they are. Mm. Um, from a sales perspective, sometimes you can see it in the numbers, and right. you know. But I don't, you know, numbers definitely tell a story. I don't, I don't think they tell the whole story. So I right. think the only way you're going to get it is to actually spend the time with them. Hundred percent. It makes me think of everything you're saying. It, it kind of almost makes me think of like this this theme of psychological safety, mm-hmm. where people are afraid of being seen as not good enough. Uh, people are afraid of standing out in a negative way, so they might not voice opinions or they might not voice things that they need to to be better because they're oh if I'm the the squeaky wheel then I might not be here tomorrow. I might not. Yeah. I might lose this job. I. I don't want to be seen as being too different because then I won't be included. When when I think about psychological psychological safety, I've been in organizations where if you asked a question that it sounds like something you should know because you're the the leader in that role, then you were just written off. 
And I'm just like, that is no way to to bring about the best performance out of folks. That That's no way to lead people in general. Because as leaders, sometimes we don't realize that people are doing work under us and we are part of a large portion of their day. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel safe for eight hours out of the day, it's going to, it's probably going to bleed into their, their personal life as well. So just kind of like taking stock of like, all right, what is the environment that I'm cultivating as a leader? Uh, how do people feel, right? Do people feel seen, heard, valued in my organization? If we just took a little bit, if we just did 1%, 10% more as leaders, I think a lot of our teams would, number one, perform a lot better, which mm-hmm. is an unintended benefit. But I think the first thing is to just make people feel safe, to be able to try things, to fail, to do something different, to voice opinions when they think something's uh, amiss. How do we, how would you advise for leaders that have not led that way to start leading that way a little bit more? What is something small that they could probably start doing tomorrow to do a little bit more of that? Ah, I love this topic. Um, when I bring a new leader onto my team and you actually just reminded me, there's someone I missed. I need to send this to them. Um, I give them two books. They, they get an Amazon shipment from me. They get grit, Angela Duckworth. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, passion and perseverance, talking about purpose. Yeah. Um, and they get smarter, faster, better. Charles Duhigg. Mm. And yeah. one of my favorite chapters in that book is about psychological safety. There's, uh, they study a hospital and there are two floors in particular that they end up honing in on. And one has a high error rate but very high patient satisfaction scores and low rates of return. So if you leave the hospital and you come back within a week, that's a return rate. So they, mm-hmm. they, they're pretty healthy when they, when they discharge them, you know, they're doing pretty well. Lots of errors reported though, but the patients are happy. The other floor, mm-hmm. low error rates, low patient satisfaction scores, high return rates. Mm. The difference was, the leader on the floor with the high error rates, when there was a mistake, they weren't, they weren't making more mistakes. They were reporting them because right. when they made a mistake, the leader retrained the whole staff. She would treat mm-hmm. it as, okay, if you got it wrong, somebody else probably doesn't understand this either or needs to be reminded or needs to be retrained. Yeah. So there was no calling out. There was no embarrassing. There was no shaming. It was Let's just take this opportunity to all of us to sharpen our saw. The leader on the other floor with the high, with the low error rates, but high rates of return, low patient satisfaction, they were making mistakes. They just weren't reporting them because that leader was known to publicly shame them. And I, and I call that out in such a way that you just kind of framed it too. It's like, we've got to give people the space to make mistakes or they're going to make mistakes and you're not going to know about them. And that's way worse. And so it's just, it's kind of instilled early on. And so when I have a leader who's struggling with that, I'll kind of talk through with them. I do a therapy session, (laughs) like, okay, so this happened and, you know, this is how you're coaching them. And, you know, what's going to end up happening is they're just going to cover it up. So how do we create a space where they're, where they're comfortable talking to you about it? And that usually comes about in the form of, you know, one-on-ones and, you know, understanding when, you know, somebody shouldn't be called out on a team call. And typically when I hear that, I'll, I'll go back, I'll pull them aside and say, Hey, that was absolutely the correct feedback to give. That was the wrong environment to give it in. I think they'd respond a lot better if you did it one-on-one. 
versus in, in that big of an environment, they're not going to hear you in that environment. Mm-hmm. And so when I see somebody who's leading that way, and by the way, again, in sales, and, and I'd say in tech, a lot of people do that because they've come up in this mentality of you've got to be tough, you've got to be firm. And you know, the bottom 5% of our sales team gets laid off every year. And it's like this Glengarry Glenn Ross, um, yeah. in, you know, mentality. And and, and it just doesn't have to be that way. And so often, mm-hmm. you know, just if I see somebody doing that, I'll actually, again, since I give this book to all my leaders, I'll call them back to it. I'll say, go read that chapter mm-hmm. again. And here's how right. you can handle it differently. And the feedbacks that have got to be given immediately or they'll forget. Um, I often joke that people are a lot like dogs. Like you've, <laughs> their short-term memory just goes yeah. away. Oh, you remember what I did? Yeah. What are you talking about? You've got to give the feedback <laughs> right. right away. I love dogs, mm-hmm. by the way. I have two of them. Um, they're amazing. And so it's a compliment. Um, I want to come back as yeah. one of my dogs in my next life. But um, yeah. so it's just, it's showing them what what it looks like. And I'll give them examples too. What's the tell show do? You know, you can tell them, mm-hmm. here's how we can do it. Now I'm going to show you an example. And then, um, you know, I'll tell them, I'll, I'll ask them to think back to a time when they've seen me do it or when they've seen me do it wrong because mm-hmm. I do it wrong right. sometimes, you know, emotions take over mm-hmm. and that, that tends to stick with them. I'm, I've actually got one right now who I'm working on this with. So it's mm-hmm. pretty top of mind. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love everything you're doing, your, your philosophy, your, the way you're trying to put more of this out into the world. I'm sure there's a lot of leaders or aspiring leaders that are watching or listening to this right now. And they're they're like, I want to be more like Marty. I want to be, I want to be better. I want to be more inclusive. I want to be just a better leader in general. What is that one piece of advice that you'd give to them about being a better leader, getting their teams together and marching to the beat of the same drum? I think you've got to be really honest with yourself about where you are and what you bring to the table and so many people focus on weaknesses their own weaknesses other you know other the people they're leading their weaknesses and instead of really focusing on their strengths and figuring out how to do more with those and so i think to be you know i'll call it let's call it authentic leadership i don't know what would brene brown call it i'm sure she's got a term for it um but <laughs> um, I'm sure she does. I got to go back and read them. I've, I've got a couple of her books. I need to go back and check back in with them. The one piece of advice, I just, I think you've got to be real about who you are and where you are. And mm-hmm. you said something earlier around, you know, leading people the way you want to be led. And you've just mm-hmm. got to realize like, that's not going to work. And so mm-hmm. you can be honest with yourself about where you are. And I think it'll encourage you to be honest with yourself about where they are too like just seeing people as human beings and complex human beings and actually i'm kind of thinking out loud as i go through this I'm like what are some other things i could do differently or some things i've seen myself do um this is getting kind of cerebral but i often try to remember that adults are broken children yeah. <laughs> like we are 100 percent Exactly. And so it's like, what would that, what would the kid inside that person do and feel right now? Cause I, mm-hmm. the kid inside me would feel this way. Um, but yeah. you know, that kid may experience things differently and, and that matters. But it, I also think it helps soften your approach. There's a little meme that goes around all the time that shows it's like what you, um, someone's life, what you know about someone's life. Yeah. And it's always this like 
tiny little part. And so I think just remembering that can almost immediately make you, I'm not going to say a better leader, but a different leader, a leader who's focused on people and really um, doing the work to be, you know, what we would call servanthood leadership. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. How can I help you be successful? How can I help you have the career you want? And, you know, how can I get behind that? Uh, what do you think? I love it. What am I missing? Yeah. How I can mean, I be better? It's funny. There, there, there's, there is a lot of similarities in both the way we see the world and also leadership, because I say it all the time that I, whenever I see people and I see behaviors that might be off-putting, whether it's just in generalities or even as a leadership perspective, I think, yeah, there, there's something that potentially goes back to childhood. And then when I see like a really angry person that just always showing up, just really a lot of anger inside, I tend to think like there is a kid in that person that mm-hmm. is is hurt in one way or another. Or they there's so much that's going on above and beyond what we see on the Zoom or in that that chat window that we just don't know. And so trying to empathize and understand, but then obviously you have to kind of correct the situation, mm-hmm. I think is one of the most powerful exercises that you could do as a leader or as a person in general. But I, I think everything that you're saying is is exactly what you need to do. You have to have empathy. You have to understand that. And I think, you know, going through this COVID sort of situation, it allowed people to see more into the person's personal life. You saw the kids yeah. running around in the background. You saw the cat you know, crawling across the computer, right? You started to see more about the people in their lives because when we're in that work setting, that's all we see. Mm-hmm. We think that people, they boot down as soon as they leave the work and then when it, whenever it's time to work again, <laughs> they boot back up, but that's not the case whatsoever. So I think just having that empathy, having that understanding that people are people and people come with, you know, for lack of a better term, baggage that, mm-hmm. that they could bubble up in, in, in childhood. Just checking in and say, hey, are you okay? We were talking about... uh southern uh, idioms like hey this person needs a hug yeah like, sometimes that angry person need, just needs a hug they, they just want to feel heard and understood and so i think that's exactly it so i don't even have anything to add because i think it's perfect <laughs> well thank you but uh, i gotta say yeah we have to do this again we have to do another episode we because i feel like there's we're the just scratching flew. the surface yeah <laughs> time flies wow. yeah yeah, we'll have to do this again because uh, there's so much more that we could talk about. But first, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule because I'm sure you are busy uh, to hop on the mics with me. Um, but I do want to let everyone know, hey, if you're interested in learning more about Marty, drop down wherever you're watching or listening to this. Uh, we'll have uh, show notes for you to, to connect and, and follow everything that she has going on in her world. Uh, but with that, we will see everyone next time.